Welcome to the Open Door Policy. Each week on this podcast, we sit down with a different guest and talk about a letter. Archbishop Vigneron's Unleash the Gospel pastoral letter. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. All right. Be about it. Each guest we have on this show we think is living it out in a new and exciting way. This week's guest is Joe Balistrieri, Director of Music for the Archdiocese of Detroit. Joe is a faithful Catholic who has been uh, touched by the power of music and beauty and loves to share that with other people. We're going to hear how Joe uses music to unleash the gospel here in Detroit. Super happy to be here today with Father Steve Polis and my good friend Joseph Balistrieri. How are you today? Hey, Danielle Center. I'm great. <laughs> How are you? I'm, I mean, living the dream more or less. Are you ready for rapid fire questions? It's my favorite type of question. Okay. Question one What did you eat for breakfast? Uh, Kashi. Where, what is something you remember from your grandparents' house? This super, super, super loud clock that plugged into the wall in the living room that went. Love that thing. What is your favorite band? Oh, you're asking a medieval musician. I don't know. Favorite band? They're not really a band, but I love Outcast. Morning or night person? Uh, kind of both. Depends on what I have to do. But as a choir director night person a lot hmm. what was your dream job when you were a kid ready for this yes director of music at the cathedral <laughs> in detroit <laughs> all right joe number six what is one thing that annoys you the most oh man noise when i'm trying to sleep all right you've just won a road trip for the weekend where are you gonna go and who are you gonna go with um, i want to go to the up by myself and okay. can it be a long weekend yeah, we'll give you Friday, too. All right, yeah. that's great. All right, Joe, what is one thing that you, that's you that been on your mind lately? Mm, you know what? I'll be frank. The uh, sex abuse scandal. Oh. It's been on my mind a lot. All right. Uh, where's your happy place? In front of my fireplace at home. What is the last photo that you took? Should I check? Uh, this is rapid fire, but go ahead and check. Yeah, let's see. Oh, actually, this is really weird. <laughs> I didn't take... It on my phone. I took it on Father JJ's phone. He's been very busy, so he wanted to be buried in papers. <laughs> Send it to a priest friend. So I took a picture of him buried in paper. All right, great. <laughs> Joe, what what is one thing you would tell middle school Joe Balistrieri? Oh, just relax. Everything will work out. Your house is on fire. Pets and people are all safe. What are three things you grab before you run out? I don't think there's anything I'd grab. All right, yeah, for real. All right. Who in your family has had an impact on your faith life? Uh, mom and dad. Huge. Especially mom. Mom most. What's one of the first people, who is one of the first people you met who was really sold out for Jesus? Who's really sold out? The first person I can remember who really had, oh, there was a, a high school teacher I had, Matthew Hill. Yeah. Yeah. And what's an award you won in middle school or in high school? I won third place in a golf tournament in middle school all right great (laughs) it's the best i can do that's awesome um when was the last time that you cried sunday morning at church before mass we were rehearsing this beautiful piece and it's uh, psalm 119 Mm -hmm. and uh we got to this moment and i just started to cry in the choir copy what (laughs) is don't want to get caught yeah what is your favorite movie of all time Mm. If you want my thing that came into my yeah, mind yeah. immediately, it was it's, Milo and Otis. <laughs> that's <laughs> like, actually true. It just popped into my mind. We're going to take a walk outside today. Going to see what we if can you weren't find. in this line of work, where would you be? Probably, I'd probably be a businessman on Wall Street or own my own heating, ventilation, and air conditioning company. Dead serious. If your life was made into a movie, what genre would it be and who would play you? Um, it would be something you show to college students, like who are studying medieval music history, the like 10 of them that exist in this country. And uh, who would play me? Probably me. <laughs> are you more of a dog or a cat person? I'm a dog person, 100%. <laughs> D O G. Great. Thanks, Joe. Thanks. My pleasure. Thanks so much. I think we should jump into seventh Yeah. Let's, Do you want to start out? Yeah, let's talk about that. Tell me about the loud clock in your grandparents' home. So, uh, it was shaped, so it was, it kind of looked like it was, uh, 
you know how you, you can have a grandfather clock, like a big, tall, mahogany clock? Yeah. And then the top of it is rounded. Um, I'm sorry, I'm on a podcast. I'm trying to talk with my hands. It's not going to work, people. <laughs> a rounded top and a big old clock, right? Yeah, exactly. So it was a mini one, maybe about a foot high, that was up on the wall. And the top part was an octagon. And then it plugged in with a cord to the wall. And uh, you could hear it through the whole house, this chugga 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 sound and so <laughs> when i was in high exist? school i don't know my grandparents are deceased and, and i don't know what happened with it clock? no nobody uh, it's a big family right my oh. mom's one of eight kids okay and yeah. there's almost 30 grandkids so and they're all crazy extroverts like no offense extroverts but i'm a little more introverted <laughs> ouch i know ouch. i was like oh, well i mean you are on this podcast well yeah i have a little bit of that in me it's it's there but did it scare you as a kid no, I loved it. It okay. just sounded Even like home. Even though you don't like noise while sleeping? Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about that. If it's something that's like a, a white noise or like mm. a repeated rhythmic thing, fine. Okay. If it's a fast-paced rhythm. But this, you know, this was just smooth and it just became part of the background. But it, also, it was very comfortable. You know how like you, you can walk into your parents' house and there's a certain smell like yeah. from what they cook oh, yeah. or the detergent they use or whatever? It was that, but an aural version. Mm-hmm. What would you do in the UP this weekend? I would bring, I don't know. Like, do you I, camp? I, do you like cottage or? I like I like how Joe negotiated for a longer weekend too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was, that was like a great move. Father Steve, you know I work for the church, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Getting a weekend off is pretty rare. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I think I would definitely bring books. What I would bring, I'm not sure. I've been trying to get through this book called The Advent Project by James McKinnon that talks about the spiritual musical development of the papal uh, musicians in the... Sounds fascinating. (laughs) Unlike a lot of books about the history of church music, this talks about how it flowed from the spirituality of the popes of that time. Okay. Why the popes called for it. And it it basically is more of a why and... and, uh, like a hermeneutic through which to look at church music and why Catholics sing and pray the way they do at Mass. So you said your mom kind of was this big player in your life. Did she introduce you to music too, or was music a different thing? So music was just a like, big part faith of my... Like, faith music melded could, together? Could oh, yeah. Your dad's a musician oh, too. Yeah. My dad's a musician. So my mom, on the musical side, my mom was a flute player, and she's also a, a good soprano. She's a nice singer. But uh, and then my dad's a keyboard player. With on on the religion side of things, my mom every night when my brother and I would go to bed, we had this children's Bible that she would read from, and and my dad would be there, and we'd go through it. And I still remember like the picture of we know when Martha and Mary mm-hmm. are, are together, and Martha's like, "Come on, Mary, let's work." Right, and Mary's sitting at the feet listening to Jesus. Right, exactly. So I can still see the picture of Martha. Yeah. Her face is all red, her brown curly hair, and then the background's kind of reddish orange, and she's like fuming mad. When I hear that gospel, I see those pictures. So my faith life is, uh, my experience of the scriptures and, and my lived faith is through those stories. And because of that, my mom's there yeah, all the time. That's awesome. I don't think that's an uncommon experience. I once went to a presentation that said that the, the images you see as a child about your faith experience are the ones that you carry with you your whole life. So Yeah, I think, you know, the home we grew up in, we had this Madonna della Strada mm. uh, image that was a little worn, a little older, but that still is one of the most beautiful images of Our Lady for me. And we had in my brother's room um, the very traditional Road to Emmaus. Yeah. And so, like, which is so funny because it's like my family loves hiking on pilgrimage. It's like it like formed all of the kids. <laughs> it's so perfect. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Joe, you mentioned uh, what you sang this past Sunday uh, brought you to tears. Going to yeah. put you on the spot here a little bit. Do you remember it? Yeah. So, could, the, could you sing it for us a little bit? Mm, no, it's a cor- <laughs> it's a choir piece. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's and it's uh, it's in Latin. And uh, it's Sorry, Psalm... Danielle could translate it. So. <laughs> I'll do my best. Here we go. It's <laughs> it's Beati Quorum Via, I which is the God. beginning no, of, of Psalm one nineteen, <laughs> which is blessed are those whose way is blameless, hmm. who yeah. walk in the law of the Lord. And uh, it's by Stanford, an English composer from the late eighteen uh, hundreds. 
and it really, really, it's very logical and ordered and beautiful, but it gets a little chaotic for a while, and it it still is organized, but it isn't rooted, and then it reroots, hmm. and then the word integra comes in, right? And and it made me it made me think of some of the challenges in the church, that ultimately, the law of the Lord is the rootedness that will save everything and it, everything's okay and I felt okay and the music the chord that's used is something called a, a two minor seven which is used as sort of a penultimate chord okay. it's not the last chord but it's it brings you back to conclusion it brings you home and I felt in that moment this is why music's so powerful when the word of God is set to music I felt mm-hmm. like God's bringing this home I don't have to worry mm-hmm. Wow. so when we talked earlier in the lightning round yeah. about that being a concern of mine God speaking through the music, the Holy Spirit speaking through that peace, a language I speak, made me feel that mm-hmm. God's got it. It'll that's be good. A, that's awesome. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Had Truly. you had you uh, conducted or led that piece before, or was it the first time this Sunday? This uh, I've done it before. Okay. And did it have like a new meaning for you this time, or did it kind of recall what it had what it had done previously? It was. It was. I've I've been moved by that moment before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this was new. This was deeper. It was kind of like how a scripture passage will strike you differently yeah. in a different time. Or I should say the scripture speaks to you differently Yeah, in, in a different time. Yeah. Uh, but music does that too, right? I mean, Absolutely. there's verses from songs that just kind of like hit your heart and you're like, okay, this is... This is beautiful, Lord. Like, I know you're speaking to me right here through yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I the question I want to ask is not this serious, but I think Milo and Otis was the first movie I saw on the big screen. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so that's your favorite movie? Can you still sing the song? Gonna take a walk, walk outside, outside today. today. Gonna yeah, see what I can. We can find <laughs> I actually today. was just talking to my brother about that this weekend. So there's that, and then also when you were a kid, you wanted to be no. If you weren't doing music, you do HVAC work. I, th- I think so. Or, or on Wall or Street. On Wall Street. <laughs> One or the other. I mean, why one, why the other? Okay, so when I was a kid, I was always going back and forth between what I wanted to do. First thing was Garbage Man. Mm-hmm. Very intrigued with that. That's yeah. Basketball player. In a community, though. Actually, okay, so there's a, a book my mom showed me recently yeah. of me. I think it was kindergarten or first grade. What do you want to be when you grow up? Like, Garbage Man, for sure. <laughs> but if that doesn't work out, NBA player. <laughs> like... Nice. <laughs> yeah. All, all you trash collectors out there, that's how I feel. Yeah. Just FYI. Yeah. That, that does not surprise me. My sister has three little boys, and trucks are the biggest thing for them. When the yeah, garbage truck sure. comes around, yeah. it is like Christmas week in, week out. So, What did you great. want to be when you were a kid? Me? Yeah. A basketball player. Yeah. 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 That's it. And then garbage man second. So <laughs> same, same number, yeah. different order. That's, right. yeah. nice. that's great. All right. Well, thanks, Joe, for yeah. uh, for answering those rapid fire questions it's a great way to get to know you my pleasure so joe we'd love to hear about how you came to be a uh, a joyful missionary disciple how you came to know christ more deeply would you mind sharing with us your testimony sure so it really started as a young person uh with my parents and going to mass every weekend and praying at home we had a, a we always had a wonderful bedtime prayer every night. It's very memorable, where we would have our intercessions and then we would sing two of our favorite songs from church, which was always awesome. Mine was this really, really sixties sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah to the Lord. Sing, it had like little claps had to be in it. Yeah. So even in Lent, we were singing hallelujah. It was just I couldn't stop, um, but. So I went through Catholic school. I, I never had like a profound like conversion to the faith. It was just a part of who we were as a family. And um, went to high school, went to U of D High. And it was there that things started to get deeper. Um, there were a couple of very influential teachers there. One of them, his name is uh, Matthew Hill. And he taught uh, Old Testament my freshman year, but he also, he had been in the seminary and, and really knew a lot about the faith and, and he presented it in a way that was very different than what I had in my childhood. 
in the child in childhood, you know, God is love. God loves you. These are the scriptures. That's just what it is. And you just accept it all. But at least for me, when I was growing into being a man, when it became like, all right, you have choices you can make. These are the precepts of the church. Yeah. You know, you can, you can do this or you can't do it, but this is it. Mm-hmm. And it's not just this amorphous uh, therapeutic deism as sometimes we <laughs> hear, right? Yeah. Uh, so I started to, to learn more about the church. So we're talking about testimony. So uh, this was a step. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to just talk about that. I'll get, I'll get to deeper, to Jesus. But at that point in my life, I needed to learn the rules. and needed to learn how this all worked. So at the same time, I was growing in music. And uh, when I was in seventh grade, I started with a new piano teacher. And he was an organist. And he listened to my playing the first few lessons and said, have you ever thought about taking organ lessons? I said, I'd love to because I'd heard it at church. I thought it was really cool. It combined like playing the piano and flying a jet and having like a big machine <laughs> with louvers and that, air. That, that's how the organ seems to me, right? Yeah. It's about as complicated as flying a jet. Well, it's pretty cool. In a lot of churches, it's like a jet bridge where you're up in the back and you can see everything and you have this huge control panel. It's pretty cool. Anyway, I digress. So I started taking organ lessons, and part of that was the pastor of St. Andrews, Father Tim Babcock, said, sure, you can practice on the organ here, but you have to learn how to play liturgy and study that a little bit and then play. At the Mass. At St. Andrews. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. And uh, early on in that time, I, I was practicing one day in the church, and this friendly... Uh, Adrian Dominican came up to me, Sister Rebecca Hodge, who was there and said, hey, do you want to be on the worship commission? I said, what's that? She said, oh, it's just this committee of adults and we talk about uh, worship and the liturgy. I said, I'm not really interested. Thanks. <laughs> she says, you'll get a custom, a custom uh, emblazoned metal pin with a magnet no. that you can wear to mass. And I'm like, I'm in, 100% <laughs> in. So the next Sunday at church, she's like, here's your pin. And then she gave me 300 pages of liturgical documents to read over the summer. And, and you're in high school? Yeah, yeah like how old This would have been like ninth year? grade, eighth, wow. ninth grade. Nice. And I, so I started reading the liturgical documents and reading why we have the liturgy and what that's all about. And I was just so fascinated. And it was just, it was deep. It was beautiful. And there's all this effort and all this prayer, centuries of, of discernment about how we pray as the body of Christ. I thought, this is important. This is huge. So I got really engaged. I started to work in, in a parish. I was at St. Matthew's on the east side of Detroit. And uh, I, basically, at this point in my life, I had to make some decisions. I was a really good student. I was uh, in the National Merit finalist group and uh, I got a bunch of scholarships to school to study business or math or medicine or that sort of thing and my parents kind of thought that might be a good direction but they never really pushed but I really felt like I was starting to get called to music ministry now here's the background on all this once I started taking the classes in school and learning about the precepts and, and the different ways of praying structured prayer formal prayer uh the rosary was never a big part of, of my upbringing. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was pretty much free prayer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started to pray the rosary. I started to go to uh, Eucharistic Adoration. I was going to daily Mass. Did you um, know the prayers of the rosary? Like, did you know, like, Our Father and Hail Mary oh, yeah. and all that? Oh, yeah. yeah. That, was all, that mm-hmm. was all part of my upbringing. But, and I had a rosary. I got yeah. one of my first communion. But <laughs> I think it was... How old are you at First Communion? You're about seven. six and seven. Yeah, so it might have been like another six or seven years before I started to really use it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it opened up powerful, powerful graces. And I started to pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet, and that mm. became a, a big part of my spirituality at that time too. And uh, God was revealing to me his closeness, and I started to feel the intimacy with God which started to shift the direction and the trajectory of my life. Because I always thought, I was always very competitive, I still am, uh, and very driven. So I thought, I'm going to be in a great job where I make good money so I can live a comfortable life, have a family, whatever. We'll see what happens. 
but it just it always felt a little empty and it always felt like a little bit like being in a what do they call the ham, hamster wheel mm-hmm. the yeah. hamster wheel so i had that side the old side of me in my teenage years and then this new side this growing faith so time goes on especially being music minister in a parish i really started to feel called to music ministry so important sidebar mm-hmm. sidebar <clears throat> is I'm a good ready. one I also started discerning priesthood at this time in high school. I was very inspired by the Jesuits, uh, by what Matthew Hill was telling me. And I actually did my senior year a discernment weekend at Sacred Heart and thought about that. So that was part of the mix. Did you run into this guy? We did once, but not on the discernment weekend. No, that was later. Yeah, that was later. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that was 2009, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. okay. Sidebar, we're gonna, sidebar we'll get into, adjourned. Okay. <laughs> that's another sidebar for later. Okay, so just remember. Okay, I'm making a note. Disclaimer, I have very bad ADD, so feel free to just interrupt and say, we need to go to another area. That's fine. Uh, no, keep going. Yeah. So so you're a, a senior in high school here. Discerning the priesthood, right, right? thinking about like, what you're doing. And your faith is really flourishing, it sounds it's, like. It's you're, really you're flourishing. You're growing yeah. like, pretty strong in your faith here. Right. And when I look back on my life today as a 30, th- am I 32? You are. Yeah. Okay. I'm 32. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yep. Nice play there. My, my brother's <laughs> the exact same age, so I know. Yeah. <laughs> so I look back on that period, 17, 18, as sort of like a spiritual high point. I was really, really engaged and I just was like on fire. And, you know, there have been valleys and peaks since, but I look back to that. Anyway, I discern... I'm going to go, a Jesuit told me, you really need to go, you've been in Catholic school forever, go to a secular school, see what happens, see how strong this call is. Mm. So I go, I go to U of M and uh, I go for music because I really believe that this is a strong vocation and, and it's about the church and it builds up the church, what I can offer. Uh, so it felt good. I was in school. My freshman year of college, I was praying after practicing in St. Matthew's Church and I heard, I was overwhelmed with an extreme peace, and time went by. I found out later, it felt like five minutes, but it was about an hour. Mm-hmm. And uh, I heard the words, will you serve at my altar? And I'm like, oh, man. And as soon as that happened, wow. I'm like, that came from, that must have just been the power of suggestion. Hmm. And then I like, I got out of there. I got out of church. Yeah, run. <laughs> so that introduced a Boat whole new, a whole yeah. new element to all of this. Mm-hmm. So at the time, I had a spiritual director who was a Jesuit, and it just wasn't really a fruitful direction. So I kind of just was dealing with this on my own. And uh, I continued through school, got out, got into a parish position. And uh, it was at that time, the, I really started to discern with the pastor there, maybe going back and trying the seminary. Yeah. So... Uh, went down that road and uh it was it just i was like right on the threshold and it just didn't line up exactly right both on my end and my own feeling of conviction that i needed to go in and also through the seminary's discernment process Mm -hmm. right and looking at me they're like "Eh, maybe we should wait let's talk more because it was kind of the last deadline so one of my dear friends said to me you had your abraham and isaac moment right (laughs) you were on the altar and then god kind of threw this mess in there and what are you going to do? So I said, all right, I'm going to wait. I'm going to see. So meantime, I go back, get a master's degree. My faith life is still good. Uh, but it started, it just started to become very routine and very comfortable. All right. And then the meantime, I end up uh, getting this position at the archdiocese, coordinator of music ministries. And in that I meet all kinds of wonderful people. I get to see what's happening in parishes that enriches my faith, but it also introduces like a little bit of an acedia because it's a mm-hmm. big position. So what does was, that word mean, by the way? Acedia. It's a sort of, the, they talk about the d- deadly sins mm-hmm. and one of them is sloth. Another word is acedia. And I think of sloth as like, okay, we think of the animal. Yeah, it's cute, but it's lazy, right? Mm-hmm. Acedia is also the other side of the coin, which can be excessive busyness. And um, even sometimes spiritual work that doesn't engage God and isn't in balance. And 
you may be doing great things. You may be doing the Lord's work, but you may be doing it in a way that's killing your soul. Mm-hmm. And that's a real temptation for anyone who works in the church, right? Mm-hmm. So I think we'll have some chance to talk about that a little bit later. But let, just to get back to your story, what? So, mm-hmm. so you have this position in the archdiocese, and um, this this acedia, this yeah, it's um, kind of settling it's creeping in. in. Yeah, I hate to admit this because you know <laughs> it's the work right, of the no, diocese. You can be a person. Um, mm-hmm. That's hey, that's humbling advice. Mm-hmm. I can be a person. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you, Daniel. Thank you, person. No worries. Um, yeah. So anyway, just you know, recently the past couple of years, I was really feeling just like a spiritual dryness, and I read Unleash the Gospel, and it was like a flash of light, and it made me feel like, wow, you know, I feel really called to engage this work, but I also feel like wiped out, and mm-hmm. what am I supposed to do? And I don't see, I see the word music in here like one time. So it's like, all right, that's only a little bit. Well, I decided to get back into spiritual direction. Yeah, it'd been a while. And I went to, can I give him a shout out? Is that cool? Sure. Yeah, we've done it. Father Jim Bilo. Great. And uh, just started pouring my heart out about the vocation thing. Because yeah. really to me, I always felt like, what if, what if I was supposed to be in the seminary in 2009 and I just took that little loophole and got out, and I've been living a good life in the church, but not God's life right. for me. Mm-hmm. And it's always been eating at me in the back of my mind. So he he basically told me the simplest thing of all. Just take it to Jesus. Just take it, and just take it over and over and over. And thank him in advance for what he's going to do in showing mm-hmm. you what you need to see. So I would, and I was journaling, and I got back into that. And, and the prayer was fruitful and making me feel a lot of peace, but I wasn't getting the answer until July 16th, 2018. Hey, it just happened this year. Live. Just and a couple of months ago. Yeah, now. for real. Two months ago. So for me, like the whole, the whole priesthood thing is finally settled. Finally. Oh, good. And uh, of all places, it happened in a secular space. All right. You ready for this? I'm ready. Because I've been praying in church. I've been praying, you know, in front of the tabernacle at adoration. Yeah. And I wasn't getting it. I was at U of M auditioning a singer who wanted to join the cathedral choir. And I stayed afterward to play through a piece of music that I really love. And uh, I'm playing along. And all of a sudden, three things happen. First thing, I'm kind of taken out of myself. And I'm playing, think of a rosary where you're not really thinking about things and you enter into a deeper meditation. So I'm playing this beautiful music. And I see what I look like in my position at the archdiocese in the cathedral to my colleagues and to other musicians and to the clergy and to the people in the assembly. And I see like the good that what I'm doing is doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, this is really cool. Then God, this is the cool, the coolness, the provident awesomeness of god all right number two is my favorite i always think of this i tell people this is like my uh scrooge story like (laughs) (laughs) ghost of christmas past future and present yeah so the next one number two i see what 32 year old joe balistrade looks like to 17 year old joe balistrade Hmm. because over and over i've i've in my prayer i'm like god take me back to 17 year old Hmm. and 18 year old me when i was so faithful when i was so on fire bring that back and he took me there and he showed me that everything I dreamed of that I thought could be a potential call for me has happened and mm-hmm. has come to pass. Wow. And uh, I was, I was, it like floored me. I'm living the dream life and what I thought God was calling me to do as an adult. He did it. And then the third one is the best one. All right. And it's maybe the least dramatic one of all, but it's, and this is my dear son, Joseph, hmm. how I see you. This is how I see you. And I love you. And I support you. And what you're doing is great. And now it's time for you to just rest in your vocation and rest in me and chill out. <laughs> like, stop being so angsty. You're where you're called to be. Yeah. Chill out. And he didn't say this is your vocation forever. But but he said, this is where you're meant to be. Yeah. And you don't have to be anxious about it. You don't have to be worried about it. You don't have to be second guessing whatever led you here. Exactly. This is where you should be. And so I'm a very, I've always been a very 
driven on the edge of my chair, angsty person. In fact, little anecdote, my interview with the archbishop when I, uh, was the last interview before I took the position, second thing he said to me, he said, you can lean back in the chair and relax. <laughs> it's like, it's just not in my nature. Yeah. But ever since July 16th, I feel that. I can rest in him and everything starts from, from that, yeah. that I'm in his hands. So you've had this incredible experience starting out life of faith, going through, and then here we are now really confirmed by your vocation that takes us up to the present, right? Yeah. Thanks. That's awesome. It's so cool to see how the Lord has kind of worked all through kind of the hills and valleys of your life. And it's a beautiful story. Thanks for sharing it. My pleasure. So, Joe, we, we were talking earlier uh, when you got here about uh, Unleash the Gospel, the pastoral letter. That's why we're, we're here. Uh, and I know one of the guideposts that was really important to you was uh, guidepost three, the word made flesh, that Jesus became man for us, that, that the word became flesh for us, and how we see that played out in in the beauty that the church presents, both in her teaching, but also through art. And I know art and music is a huge uh, avenue for you to know Christ and to share Christ. Can you talk about like what the word made flesh means to you with beauty? Yeah, yeah. So I think when you look at the letter, uh, the word made flesh, it's in four parts, isn't it? It it talks about the church at prayer, it talks about scripture, and it talks about the liturgies. Uh, Earlier, we we talked about my experience of, of... July of this year, the beauty of, of our life in Jesus is that he comes to us and is near to us and is always with us. And in the word and in sacrament, we're always near Jesus in a particular way. But in a beautiful way, it's not just us. It's not just this individual me and God. It's the body of Christ. It's the unity of the people. And in that, everything transforms. You're, the way you live is transformed. So that that just kind of for me is is a nice way to put things in perspective yeah you know to center we were also talking about um about pope francis and a line that you liked from that were the unconventional means of evangelization do you see that in this music and liturgy and beauty yeah so Pope Francis talks about, and he's quoting Pope Benedict, in fact, the Via Pulchritudinis. The Via Pulchritudinis. I love that. The pathway of beauty. (laughs) Yeah, which is for centuries, really, uh, for well over a millennium, has been a pathway to God. Not the path, but a path, right? Because we have beauty, which leads to truth and order, right? Or beauty leads to goodness, leads to truth. It's all connected. Right. And uh, a lot of people who have hearts that are hardened to the word of God and even to the idea of, of Christianity for whatever reason, they'll, they'll listen, they'll, they'll pack our cathedrals and tour them. They'll listen to our music. They'll engage with our beautiful art. And where do we, the unconventional means in my, in my mind is how do those tools move beyond just being beauty for the sake of beauty, mm-hmm. but being icons to the very heart and mind of God. Yeah. How do you work on that in your your vocation here? So I have a, a musician friend, Susan Linquist, mm-hmm. uh, a wonderful educator. She's been teaching in Catholic schools for <clears throat> decades. And she says, my job is to be a broadcaster. I said, what do you mean a broadcaster? Because my dad worked in TV and I think TV. But <laughs> broadcasting, is you can think of a spreader, a broadcast spreader. She spreads seed. Just get the beauty out there mm-hmm. as much as you can, as many places it can go. It can fall into the cracks. And not everything's going to work. But you just have to abundantly produce and send it out and be a vehicle for it. And I think that um, it really mirrors God's charging the earth with beauty oh there we go gerard manley hopkins i can get him in the earth is charged with the grandeur of god he says mm. charged like every nook and cranny everything is beautiful and i think about like the churches we have too right the beauty of the churches whether it's the, the cathedral or saint anne's or oh, saint mary's in uh in greek town 
And I think about the people who built those, right? Mm -hmm. So just looking mm -hmm. at this, this guidepost, the word made flesh, that came out of a response to say, I want to give something beautiful back to God for all that he gave to me. Think right. about the generosity and kind of the the lavishness of some of that, um, of how those came about. And for me, it moves me to think like, what must the faith have been of our ancestors who built that, who were willing to sacrifice you know, their hard-earned money, their time, because they believed in the communion of the church, because they believed that Jesus wasn't just kind of this this spiritual guru guy, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. But that Jesus comes to us in real concrete ways. The word became flesh, and we encounter him not just in, in our minds or in thoughts, but we encounter him in concrete things, whether it's statues or stained glass, right. whether it's a, a picture or an image we have, whether it's the beauty of music. But that's why, for me, coming together as a church on Sunday, uh, coming together at Mass, is so important that we have these beautiful places so that we can realize that God wants to encounter us very concretely. And of course, the fullness of this, Danielle and Joe, is the Eucharist, right? right. Where, where right. the Word becomes flesh and the flesh becomes food for us to eat and to drink and to partake in His very life. I think I, something that I was thinking about as you were saying that is... Um, well, kind of two things is these places are and this beauty is a testimony too. So Amen. you think about these people who uh, traditionally these cathedrals took a hundred years or more to build. So you have the guy at the front is drawing these architectural plans knowing that he'll never see the end of the cathedral. And the guy in the middle laying bricks has never met the first guy and is not going to meet the last guy. And the guy who celebrates the f like the first mass in it never met the architect. So right. it's cool to think that like all of this is working together. And um, I was just talking to my friend Julia Kowalski today, because um, so, you guys know I work at St. Anne, and it's super historic and culturally significant. And sometimes people call me, and they're like, hi, we, we want to tour the church, very common. And they'll be like, we're a historical society, so we don't really want to hear um, about the religious end. And it's like... Keep that God stuff out <laughs> of the description of your church, yeah, would and, you? And it's yeah. so interesting to me, because first of all, I'm like, well, I... I kind of can't like you can't just be like oh people built this church but we don't really know why it's like people dedicated their time to this and all of the most beautiful things they had because this was the most important thing that they could think of so see and that speaks just to this unconventional means it's mm -hmm. so and there's such an opportunity <clears throat> because everything that we've done like you said it's a testimony yeah and and the building itself everything is a testimony and you can't divorce the word from the art and from the beauty. And, you know, one thing that always vexes me is, is when you hear Christians who say, you know, well, we don't need all that. That's all superfluous. There's no point in mm -hmm. that. You know, it should just be about the relationship with God and the word. Well, those same Christians will often talk about how God has personally touched their lives, right? Yeah. In concrete ways. And their lives have changed in concrete ways. Why wouldn't God just want to be concrete with us and when the word was made flesh he did that he became us fully us and you know i read in a book one time martin mosebach he said i'm a stone age man and it's like catholics we're kind of like stone age people fire water <laughs> bread yeah, right. you know it's simple beautiful and wine elements Let's of, not of forget course, wine yeah. that well. brings us out of the stone age <laughs> that's, that's right or maybe it keeps us in the stone age i don't know the uh Oh, I mean, the power of God speaking through ordinary things and just being the whole world being charged with God's love and energy and so, bounty. So, Joe, let me ask you as a musician, as a conductor, we use this phrase, a band of joyful missionary disciples. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, like, I think of this as this ragtag band of, like, maybe I'm playing the triangle over here. <laughs> so, like, that's what I'm contributing, nice. right? Or maybe I'm playing the most complex instrument, what, whatever, that, the organ, yeah, right? Sure, there you the go. jet engine I'll take of organ. That. But, like, mm. that we each have a role to play in, right. in the church and, like, um, St. Paul uses the image of the body of Christ. The ear can't be the, the eye or the foot. Um, but I love this phrase, a band of joyful missionary disciples. Sure. Like, th Does that work for you as, as an image for how we are together trying to build up Christ's kingdom? 
It, it does. The, the word band, I always think of band being more like a group mm. instead of like a musical group. So that for me was new. Okay. But if I'm going to, Father Steve, I can jump off of you. I'm going to say a joyful choir of disciples, of joyful missionary disciples, right? Because my experience in the choirs, uh, I, we did uh, permanent deacon ordination music a couple of weeks ago. We led that. And uh, there's a music minister in that group. His name's Carl Clendenning. Shout out, Carl, if you're there. He's a music minister at Jesu Parish. He's been there since the 80s. Incredible musician. On Holy Thursday, he's the baritone who sings Balm and Gilead a lot of years. So. Oh, okay. yeah. So we're singing Oh God Beyond All Praising, which is known as Father Dave Beachel coined it as the AOD fight song, <laughs> <laughs> which I love that term. <laughs> So we're doing the fight song, and Carl Clendenning on the last verse is just like shaking his head, singing it, and tears are streaming down his face. I'm like, you know what? Yeah. This is a joyful missionary disciple, and there's a whole group of them. And, the and, beauty, it, and it's going to look different in him yeah. than it does in you. For or sure. than it does in, in Patrick or in exactly. Danielle or me, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I wasn't tearing up in that moment. But what I love about choir is a choir is greater than the sum of its parts hmm. because everybody loses themselves. I think it's Eucharistic. I think that's what St. Paul talks about in the body of Christ. But I think that's what Christ looks at. He wants us to be one fully. We have to let our guard down and be vulnerable. That's in the letter, talk, right? Talk about that more. What do you mean by it has to be Eucharistic? So the Eucharist, we can talk how theological you want me to go. I mean, we go can deep. talk about it. Go, go deep. Jump. All right. I, I love to think about the sacramental economy, how there's sort of, I call it the rain cycle of grace that happens at Eucharist, right? So we lift our hearts and minds and we make our offering to God, right? Simple bread and wine, right. which is, is also more importantly our lives. Yeah. And we give them to God. God then sends his son, right, to yeah. die and be sacrificed. And then we sacrifice that back right after the mm-hmm. consecration. We, you always hear we offer the body and blood back to God. Right. The most powerful moment is the, the doxology, right? Through him, with him, and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. The priest is holding up the bread and the wine because we're offering Jesus back to the Father. It's this cycle where it's just like... You could call it a rain cycle. Maybe the better word to say it is, is like this love fest, right? <laughs> like, God, I love you. I give you everything. Yeah. And God's like, no, I love you. I'm giving you everything. And we're like, well, we're giving it right back. It's just this, it's beautiful. And that's what we're called to do. And we can't do that as individuals because if we do, we come with our own agendas. Hmm. We come with our own idea of what's needed. The more we break down the walls and become one, the more we are participating in the body of Christ fully. So that's why I think, you know, sometimes people get hung up about communion and intercommunion. We have to be unified in what we believe. Right. Um, That's why we have to be in a state of grace to receive the Eucharist, right? So that everything is, that that we're all one body, right? That there's nothing that can divide us. One of the earliest Christian hymns is the Ubi Caritas. It's like fourth century text. And... uh, where charity, where charity and love prevail, yeah. there is God. But there's yeah. a line in there that says, "Let no division be among you. Let all enmity cease, so Christ our Lord can be in our midst." Right? That's leave your gift at the altar and be reconciled with your brother or sister. Spoken through the early the early church fathers. Yeah, and so unleash the gospel for us in Detroit is like the sheet music for us to be part of this choir, to be part of this band, right? Like, so maybe my part looks different. I'm singing the, the baritone part or someone else is singing the soprano mm-hmm. part. Um, but we're working together, right? It's Absolutely. not about my agenda. I can't just go and do what I want to do. I got to be part of what the archbishop has clearly pointed the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. And if we do that, if we're faithful to this sheet music, to this direction, then uh, we're going to really be a band. You say choir. Choir. Stick with band, (laughs) all right? Uh, A band of joyful missionary disciples that will be attractive to people, right? That that people will see the beauty of our lives, the beauty of our communion, and the goodness of the church. Yes. If I can really quickly get into Guidepost 4, 
you know, you have to work a lot with people who work in the church and then also people who are coming to the church. So, like, do you have any thoughts? Like, if you were going to, you know, kind of yeah. think about, like, hey, you got people and people are listening. And what, what are those things that you would say to the people who are evangelizing? Let me just tell you what's been going on in my world. There's been there's been a lot of this kind of burnout in the musicians in a sense. Huh. You know, we can teach them. We can... Uh, we can g- equip them with knowledge and, and uh, what's really needed right now. And what I'm finding is working is re-encountering each other as brother and sister. So we've added in, in the music community, we're doing these meetups every month where you just come to lunch and we just talk and we pray and it's been powerful. It's only been going on a couple months, but it's been powerful how much that's transforming things beyond um, our earlier efforts. And I think of the, uh, I think of Pope Francis talking about the way of accompaniment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That step one is the relationship. So that would be my, my closing thought is start with loving and knowing each other. And then God will do the work. We don't do the work. We just create opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. So Joe, I, I keep going back in my own prayer, my own life to guidepost two, which is keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. And I, I see as a priest, like... Um, I mean, just to be real, like it's so easy for me to get caught up in the work yeah. and then the work becomes a series of tasks and then it becomes all on me and I get weary or distracted and I forget what it's about. Um, Danielle, you work for the church. Uh, Joe, <laughs> you work for the church. Like, <laughs> a little I think bit. It, like, like this is a real issue. <laughs> I sure. hear I from went to confession last weekend and I stepped in the confessional. I knew I know the priest and I was like. Hey, Father, how's it going? He's like, Danielle, have you ever been tired? <laughs> and I was like, You're like, nope. Yes. <laughs> so, what is that word? Yeah. So, yeah. So, so I think a lot of people uh, in our church, especially those who work for the church, at times we can get, uh, whether we want to call it burnt out or distracted or tired, yeah. um, how, do you, how do you see that play out? And then how do you either respond to that or prevent that? So it's it's a real thing. I think, you know, with the changing demographics and, and especially now that we're called to go deeper and people are excited about it, there's people are putting more energy in. I think the most dangerous thing about living out of your authentic vocation is living out of it too much. Hmm. You know, in my life, that's been a problem. <clears throat> and frankly, for the past number of years, what tends to happen is I'll work like two weeks in a row I'll become like an angry mess and then I like have dinner with a friend and I'll get called on it and then I'll like take it the day off the next day. Yeah. And and things work. So I mean, number one, you gotta have your network of of the people close to you who who can honestly assess you and just honestly tell you what's going on. Number two though, spiritually you just have to remember that this isn't our work. Amen. Mm-hmm. St. John the 23rd said at the end of the night, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. What is, can you say the quote? Yeah. So, you know, I'm thinking about all the problems, the challenges of the world and, you know, all in far in the far flung parts of the world, the, the, the things that weighed this on was him. This a pope, by the way. Yeah. Who's a yeah. saint now? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, said, all right, yeah, Lord. Pro tip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, Lord, it's your church. And I'm going to bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I give it back to you, Lord. And for me, that's so important for me to remember. Both I don't have to carry all these burdens, all these challenges, all my concerns by myself. And Danielle, I'd love mm-hmm. to hear your thoughts on this. And two, like to keep coming back to Jesus, as you said, right? To come and be with him and to say, Lord, I want to live out of your love. Give me this day my daily bread. I want to receive the strength this day I need from you to do your will. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I can only just say that I speak to kind of the same things. I guess one thing that is interesting, and, and Joe, you, you mentioned the scandals that occurred this summer. After that happened, there were a few people who called me and like on the phone. were like, hey, how are you doing? And that's just really a beautiful thing to have friends who know you that well that can call you and be like, I foresee that, they're, that you might be having a hard time with this. So that's true. Um, prayer... Sometimes this is like the thing about prayer. So my sister is like super into sports and I'm terrible at all of them. And um, one time she was like, hey, Danielle, what is the most effective exercise? Do you guys know what it is? No. 
Guess. Sleep. No. <laughs> Stretching. <laughs> she, I guessed. I was like swimming triathlon. She's like the one you do. And mm. I think that that's really helpful in prayer too um, is that because I'll, I'll set, you know, these lofty goals and then I'll be like, oh, wow, I'm not even doing these. So the one that you do is the one that's important. So pro tip from Danielle, call, reach out to someone you know in ministry and uh, uh, offer some support to them. Before yeah, for sure. We, before we close, Joe, uh, can I ask you, is there any, any last word you want to give, any scripture passage, any prayer that's been on your heart or anything else you want to share before we close? There's just one thing I would say. Uh, if you're out there and you're going through a dark spiritual time or you feel like God has not been near you, and you're praying, you're not hearing what you need to hear, he's there. And and it's in his time what you need will come. So just stick with it, relax, rest in him. Amen. Thanks for being on Open Door Policy. Thanks for having me. So glad Joe was able to stop by Open Door Policy and share with us how beauty has been a great source for him to know the Lord and share the Lord and how the Eucharist has helped him develop in his faith life as a Catholic and really be the foundation for what it means to experience the two-way sharing with the Lord. Next time on Open Door Policy, we'll talk with Sarah Kazmarek. Sarah goes around the country sharing Alpha with dioceses and parishes, and she's been unleashing the gospel in her life and in her ministry can't wait to hear from her. Be sure to subscribe and like us on iTunes and to bring your friends along for the ride. And if the Holy Spirit has inspired you while listening today, be sure to pass this episode along to someone else who might enjoy it. Open Door Policy was recorded and produced at Sacred Heart Major Seminary for the Archdiocese of Detroit by Ron Pangborn, who loves recording podcasts. But if he wasn't, he'd be a garbage man for sure. <laughs> Join us next time when we ask. Can you still sing the song? Gonna take a walk outside today. I'm Father Steve Polis with Danielle Center. And this has been another episode of Open Door Policy. 